We at the Deep Dive Podcast support Black Lives Matter. If you want more information on how you can help this incredibly important movement, please go to blacklivesmatter.com. Thank you. Hello, divers. Coming to you from an undisclosed location deep in the quarantine zone, welcome to the Deep Dive Microcast. I'm Tom Feeney, raconteur, compulsive hand washer, and writer for Wang's Chop Movie Magazine, available on Amazon.com. This is a companion series of the Deep Dive Podcast, where myself and my co-host Manda look at the lesser-known offerings on your streaming media feeds. On this microcast, we'll dive into the history of the laugh track. It made every sitcom funnier, or did it? So hold on to your funny bone and get ready for this edition of the Deep Dive Microcast. Hey, McCunas, are you asleep? McCunas, are you asleep? Hey, McCunas! Shut up! McCunas, do you really think the world is wound? What you just heard was a clip from The Hank McCune Show, a completely forgettable comedy that aired on NBC in 1950 and lasted for a scant three months. A minor footnote in television history, except for one thing. It was the first television comedy to have a laugh track. It needed it. A laugh track is essentially pre-recorded snippets of audience laughter and other reactions. On many television comedies, those reactions are used to sweeten the response of a live audience or to cue the viewers at home to find something funny on a show without an audience. Thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you next time. (laughs) All right, that was a terrible example. But why does the laugh track exist? If something is truly funny, why does it need a laugh track? For the answer, we need to go back a ways. Before television, in fact. In the early days of radio, programs were broadcast live. Of course, with live shows of any kind, errors, flubs, and technical mistakes went out over the airwaves as they happened. That changed when audio engineer Jack Mullen began using a newfangled magnetic tape recorder to pre-record the Bing Crosby radio show. This allowed Mullen to edit and even add sounds to the recorded program. Mullen had a recording of audience laughter from an earlier show. When Crosby had a show that wasn't particularly funny, they put the pre-recorded laughs in. That was the beginning of the laugh track. With the advent of television, the situation comedy quickly became a staple of the new medium. These shows were filmed like a movie. One camera, no audience. But how are the viewers supposed to know when to laugh? That question was answered by another audio engineer, Charlie Douglas. While working for CBS, Douglas was irritated that sitcom audiences either laughed during the wrong moments or they didn't laugh enough. So Douglas invented The Laugh Box. (laughs) No, that's not a joke. It was actually called The Laugh Box. In fact, this device was 
almost as sought after and top secret as the German Enigma machine used to encrypt secret messages during World War II. The laugh box looked like a kind of, uh, if a typewriter had a baby with a Hammond organ. Now, like a virtuoso, Douglas would work the keyboard and pedals of his invention to produce different types of laughter. Exactly 320 laughs recorded on 32 loops of tape, from giggles to guffaws to belly laughs, they were all at his fingertips. But not all of those early sitcoms needed Charlie Douglas's new contraption. In 1951, CBS's I Love Lucy pioneered the technique of having three cameras shooting at the same time on a single set. This maintained the atmosphere of a live show with a live audience. That combined with the talents of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz meant that I Love Lucy didn't need the laugh box at all. Charlie Douglas soon left CBS and took his invention with him. He began his own little cottage industry, lending his talents and the Magic Laugh Box to other programs for a fee. Now, starting in the 1960s, the laugh track was commonplace on not only sitcoms, but variety shows and even animated series. Read me another bedtime story, Bronco. Sure, which one? Uncle Wiggly or I was a teenage Brontosaurus? <laughs> so help me, I'll never mistrust Fred again. You're right, Wilma. They're two of the good ones. Not everyone was a fan of the laugh track. Nat Hyken, creator of classic 60s comedy, Car 54, Where Are You?, felt that the laugh track was kind of a cheat. He wanted his show to really earn its laughs so he would hold screenings of each episode for an audience and recorded their responses. Each laugh would be genuine. Others felt that adding artificial laughs would lower the bar for comedy writers and the comedians themselves. If their jokes were guaranteed a laugh no matter what, why work harder to get them? Some shows, as it turns out, were actually improved by adding the laughs. Case in point, Everyone's favorite situation comedy about a World War II German prisoner of war camp, Hogan's Heroes. Now, portraying Nazis as hapless goofballs may seem like an odd choice now, but beginning in 1965 and running for six seasons, CBS's Hogan's Heroes was a clear success, though it would likely never be made today. The producers tried to do without a laugh track, but test audiences hated it. Once a laugh track was added, the show got much higher scores. From then on, there was a mandate that all CBS comedies had to have a laugh track. Now, a year after Hogan's Heroes ended, another wartime comedy would premiere and this time would successfully begin bucking the trend towards adding wall-to-wall -wall laughter. one of the most successful series in television history had a laugh track, per CBS's mandate. MASH, 
based on the motion picture of the same name, was a comedy about a group of army surgeons serving during the Korean War. It seemed like an odd candidate for the laugh track. Series creator Larry Gelbart didn't want one. In fact, he thought the notion of having a laugh track when it was obvious there was no live audience was ludicrous. But soon a compromise was reached. When there were scenes taking place with the surgeons working in the operating room, there would be no laugh track at all. Now, as the show went on and evolved into more of a drama, the laugh tracks were minimized. In fact, on all of the DVD releases of MASH, there is an option to turn the laugh track off entirely. Audiences who grew up on sitcoms with the laugh track would react negatively when they weren't there. It was almost a Pavlovian response. It didn't seem to matter that the same laughs were used over and over and over again through the decades, meaning that by the 1990s, most of the laughs you heard were coming from dead people. But eventually the laugh track would fall out of favor and be used only sparingly, if at all. Even Seinfeld, one of the funniest shows of all time, added laughs here and there. But these days, the laugh track is used ironically as a relic of golden age television. Try to imagine recent shows like 30 Rock, The Office, or Arrested Development with a laugh track. It wouldn't work. Now, despite its polarizing effect on television comedy, the laugh box is an important artifact of Hollywood history. Charlie Douglas was awarded with an Emmy for his invention in 1992. Oh, that one's for you, Charlie. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Next time on the Deep Dive Podcast, Manda and I dive deep into our favorite binge-worthy shows that may have slipped under your radar. We want to hear from you. Drop us a line at thedeepdivepodcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. You can find links to those on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. All clips used in the Deep Dive Microcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. The Deep Dive Lounge theme was arranged and performed by Robert Acorn based on the original composition by Ryan Blaney. The Deep Dive Microcast is a production of Automaton Studios.